Welcome everybody to this week's episode. Uh, before we get into um, the actual episode with Zach Wolski, um, we have a little bit of an announcement to make. Basically, the I know we've been talking about this for a really long time, but uh, the merch website is done but we are just figuring out uh details with the shipping arrangements because we will be shipping to every single country essentially i don't think it matters to be honest so we're just gonna figure out uh all the shipping stuff and then we're gonna hit publish on the website and you guys can go and buy some merch if you feel like it um also how it's gonna go down is basically we're gonna open up orders for like two weeks or a month, you know, depending on how many orders come in. Um, and then once the ordering period is over, we're gonna send in all of the um, all the orders, sh- get them made, get them shipped out. And uh, yeah, if it's a high demand, we'll do it again for basically infinity amount of time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> However many people want shirts, yeah. you, you can get a shirt. Just uh, you can go and order. There's no like limited supply. Um, we also we also now have a Discord server that seemingly true. a lot of people enjoy. Very true. Uh, you can talk to us personally. We also have a physics questions chat. You know, if anybody wants to just talk physics, you can do it there. Uh, it's posted in our link in our Instagram bio. We might do it in in this YouTube description yeah, as well. Yeah, we'll put the link in every single yeah uh, YouTube video slash Spotify description from now on. And uh, yeah, sick. we might do some like live. Q&A voice chat yeah. with you guys if, if you guys are online. So, you know. Also, a lot of people asked about, you know, different colorways in the future and whatnot. And obviously, oh, yeah. depending on demand, like, it's all available. It's all available. Like, these shirts look sick. They feel great, I think. Uh, from Highest like, quality it's, in it's, the world. It's legitimately, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know about that statement, but it's legitimately a really good quality shirt. Yeah. So Embroidered um, as Yeah, well. all embroidered, like so. really high quality, like from a from a shirt factory. I, I mean, I don't know where else people it's get it Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, all of that's really good. Um, I don't think there's anything else for, yeah. before the episode. So enjoy this episode. Oh, just like... We are recording this episode like a couple days right after the previous one. So no comment of the week or anything special like that. No change in our downloads or followers. So nothing crazy. When we get into the episode, we get into it. So hopefully you guys enjoy it. And yeah. All right. See you there. It's the language of the universe. But I don't understand it. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Math and Physics Podcast. I'm your host, Parker. And I'm Ray. And we welcome you to episode number 110, 110 where today we have quite a popular guest uh, back on our podcast. We have Dr. Zach Wolski. Hey. So, Zach, hi. How are you? How have you been? Maybe a little uh, introduction to those few have who have not maybe listened to any previous episode of you. Who are you? Uh, sure. So I did a postdoc in math um, at U of T, and I taught some courses. And Parker was in one of them, and then came on here and talked about, I think, number theory and uh, some combinatorics. Combinatorics, right. That was a sick episode, right? Yeah. There were a lot of, every time you come on the podcast, we always get our brains picked. So um, it's always fun. I think, I think, I mean, again, all guests are wonderful, but... This is actually like a level of us interacting as well, which is kind of interesting that we don't usually see. 
So for those of you listening to the podcast, go check out the YouTube video because there might be some more details that you might miss on the audio section. So just letting you know. Oh, yeah, there's pictures. Right. (laughs) There's pictures. (laughs) No. So, Um, yeah, here we go. We can just start up. We're going to talk about group theory today. So I guess the most basic question, how would you explain group theory to somebody who doesn't know what group theory is? Oh, boy. I was thinking, let me go look at my old group theory notes. So I dug them up. And I think that's a really bad way to do it. We <laughs> had like a mathematical definition and right. there's a binary operation and a set and a monoid. And I was like, I don't know what these terms mean and there's no way. Um, I would say a group is some way of describing symmetries of an object. Um, and a lot of things are groups. And you may not think of them as groups, but secretly they're groups. And must they be symmetries, or are they any any group that remember that, that represents anything? I maybe have like a circular definition of symmetry, and oh, then I would say okay, like okay. symmetry means a thing that a group is measuring. <laughs> like, oh, oh, that like that's that that's groups are the structure that we use to study symmetry. Mm-hmm. So if something okay. has a symmetry, we would go, hmm, we can describe that with a group. Is kind of like algebra for equalities. That's a nice way of putting it. Algebra for equalities. Yeah, um, like algebra is the thing that yeah, we use to study okay. when sure. equal so, things. So like the the equivalent of maybe holding up a square and rotating it would be to put things on a scale. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the scale is like algebra. Yeah. It does some powerful things and you have to be make sure everything is balanced nicely. And then group theory has more like picture type descriptions of things. Mm. Like if I want to think about, I have some square, how many different ways can I move this square around and make it still like look like the same square? Mm-hmm. And group theory will give a description of those actions and how you can compose the actions together. And yeah. if you want like a formal, here's how I would describe sure. a group to someone who has some algebra background. It's a bunch of things that you can do where you can compose them. So I can do one thing and then another thing, like apply a function and then another function. And I can undo everything I did. So everything has to be invertible. Mm -hmm. So like moving the square around, if I give it a little clockwise turn, I can give it a counterclockwise turn. If I flip it, I can flip it again. And those are undoing the things. And if I want to compose, I can turn and then flip. Mm -hmm. And then that would be the same as first flipping and then turning, but the other way. So what would be an example of something that's non-invertible? Oh, things like multiplying. Like, let me give you, if you take all the real numbers, except for zero, Mm -hmm. they're all invertible. So there's a group that is the real numbers with multiplication, except the number zero. You can multiply two numbers together. You get Mm -hmm. another thing. It's also invertible. You can undo whatever multiplication you did. And that's a group. Mm -hmm. So the group of the real numbers comes with the operation of multiplying. Well, minus the zero. Okay. So when you say the group of real numbers... Real numbers are also a group. Sorry, I didn't mean group. Using I mean addition. 
right? I, like, meant, I meant the set of all real numbers combined with multiplication makes a group. Is that how you would say the that? The set of real numbers without zero. Without the set zero. of non-zero right. real numbers right. non -zero. with a multiplication is a group. Nice. Yes, that's exactly what I would say. And what kind of symmetries does that relate yeah, to? Yeah, we can think about this, right? Like, mm -hmm. what can you do with this group? This group has a lot of automorphisms. It has which a... Which means... <laughs> sorry, which yeah, means... Yeah, which means... So a morphism <laughs> is a function. It's a function that I'm going to do to the thing itself. So okay. auto is on itself. Oh. So, like... What can I do to real numbers? If I think about this whole like real line minus zero, it's not in there. I can like stretch it. I can take all the real numbers, multiply them all by two. Mm -hmm. And now I get another copy of the real numbers again. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So like yeah. groups have this kind of a property. If I take an element in them and apply it to the whole group, I get like a copy of the group. And sometimes they have oh. extra. <laughs> so like... You take an element, like two, from the set mm -hmm. of the non-zero real numbers, and then by applying that, the element becomes the transformation, mm -hmm. and then you get the same thing back. Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. And you could do that with any element in the non-zero real sure. numbers, and you would, that would also be an automorphism. Mm -hmm. interesting. So then what would be a difference between a group and a set? Because he was mentioning set and well, group you mentioning group and then you and then you corrected yourself for set and I'm like, okay, but why? Like I mean I, I understand there probably is just a definition difference, but or is there something way deeper that I'm not understanding? Uh, so I think he wanted to clarify the like the set of real numbers and then we get to choose an operation on it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. So the right. part that makes it the group is that we say what the operation is. Mm -hmm. So okay. we could also have if I take mm -hmm. all the real numbers, including zero and I make my operation addition, that's also going to be a group mm -hmm. because I can subtract, that will undo everything, and I can add two things in a row. Mm -hmm. So is this just a way, because what I've understood so far is that this is just a way of like, of simplifying things. Hmm. Is it? Because a group in- Making them more complicated. You think so? Because I feel like if you take the set of things that you, like for example, if you want, I mean, you're mentioning addition, subtraction, I'm obviously thinking can be way more complicated than that, right? If you have an invertible function or something and you want to apply it to whatever data or I'm just, I'm just spitballing, you know, things on my top of my head. But if you were thinking about doing something like that, I feel like it could be, you know. Yeah, if you took all the possible invertible functions on whatever you want, that's a group. Right, because you, right, yeah. you can apply it yeah. and you can go yeah. backwards. Yeah, and then you can, because it's invertible, right, yeah. exactly. So it's, the, so it's the operation that dictates the fact that it's a group. I mean, it's all together. It's yeah. all together. Because if we say a different set, it might not be a group anymore, or it's a different group, right? If I take real numbers, only the positive real numbers now, mm. and I multiply them, also a group. Mm-hmm but a different one, a very different group. Yeah, again, the reason I said simplify is because I felt that it's just taking all these things and putting them into one. Because again, before the podcast was... I Maybe mean, I would call it describing. Describing. Like we have real numbers. Mm -hmm. What do they do? And this, this method of groups is so, sort of a little tool that helps us describe what do they like? What do they do? So groups are not like a bunch of... 
So is it describing like all the things that they can do or is it describing a specific thing? Like each group describes a specific thing that you can do. Like, like, like there's a group for, again, I don't even know examples, but I'm just thinking, are there groups for specific operations or when you say yes. group, you simply, okay. Or when you say group, you simply mean like the set of operations that you can do. Uh, so if I look at like all the possible operations, right. Would that be a group in itself? Sometimes or is that it like is, a, and sometimes it's not at all. A, you know, a grand <laughs> That's group, like a maybe? category theory a level of group? like in the category of groups. Right. Which things, um, but no, we'll not talk about that. No, that's, okay, okay, okay. That's another step because of like classifying what are the possible groups that you can put on right. a certain set. I guess we'll talk about that actually because I want to tell you mm -hmm. about finite groups. Because we were talking about how you they're analogous to matrices or at least thinking about it. And usually a matrix is a simplification. Like, for example, you'll have a crazy linear system and then you put it all into a matrix and voila, you know, the whole thing is represented with this. There's a bunch of numbers. So that's why I was thinking, oh, a group is simplifying it because it's so I don't know breaking that it's even it down, simpler, right? that, like, but it's not. It's still the original linear system. We just have another representation of it. Representation. We have another way of looking at it. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to use the word representation oh, no, because no, group representation means a specific else. thing. Of course it does. Of but it means it the thing that you just mentioned, that like you can think of matrices, invertible matrices, as being a group. And that the, the, t the power of representation theory is to think about a group as being a bunch of matrices and then act on a vector space with those matrices. And that, that tells us things that we didn't know about the group. Number theory mm. things, yeah, things I really that I'm wanna, interested in. I mean, but I again think that's yeah, another level before, up. Before we dive into a lot of that, I know you briefly mentioned that you studied, oh no, sorry, it was that one theory that we were talking about, but you were involved with group theory in your doctorate yes, or your research. Yes, Galois theory. Galois theory. Maybe so we can get into in my undergrad, unless you want to get into it in now. The, the summer of my third year and then in fourth year, I did research in Galois theory, and then that became a topic that I was interested in in my PhD. Oh, oh so, so group theory was the, was the topic of your PhD, was it? Uh, eventually, no. Okay, so <laughs> that one didn't quite work out. Mm -hmm. um, but it started there. <laughs> but it did start there, yeah. Point. And I spent a lot of time thinking about groups and I and sort of Galois groups in particular relate to polynomials and roots of polynomials. So if you don't mind me asking, like, what is, because we literally last episode, we just spoke about our research, right? And we were talking about how I we, know, I listen. So what do, I, <laughs> thank you for that. But what, what? do you research or again because i've never done a mathematical research ever really so i just don't know what entails in you know researching groups for example like are you seeing how they act on different vector spaces are you seeing how they act on different you know examples like again yes okay. i would say it's a very broad field like are you investigating what the group does or are you investigating the group itself is kind of maybe my question like what are you actually I think researching? Those are the same yeah, thing. I was say. You think so? Because I feel like I mean, okay, I feel like one leads to the same thing. I feel like if you are investigating the group itself, it leads to what you're doing with it. But the reason why I asked it that way is because some people can simply be investigating what the group does because there's already a good definition. But how do you of how do you the set of groups? How do you investigate the group itself without asking the question, what does it do? You know? mm -hmm. 
I mean, okay, maybe then I rephrase it. Well, we did it. do that maybe for I a while. Because that's not just sort okay. of abstractly studying groups by their like. You can define generators and say, you know, let me go back to this example with matrices. If you're looking at two by two complex matrices that generate some nice group that you like, like SU two. Mm-hmm then you can use these poly matrices. And that's just three matrices. And then you know, okay, any other matrix with this property is some multiple of these three together. Okay. So those are like your generators. And Mm -hmm. you can just work with the group in terms of the generators and the Mm -hmm. relations. And so where did you come in in your research, come into studying groups? So my research is not a lot in groups, okay, but so the part that is, is yeah, in exactly. representation theory. And it is like what you're describing of okay. like, we don't really understand these groups, but we can look at what they do. That's exactly. Yeah, that's we can exactly. see how that's they're exactly. represented right. in different vector spaces of different dimensions. And the way of doing it is, is sort of, okay, we'll do a bunch of algebra. If these do map onto matrices of a certain size, then what? Then what happens there? What can we say about that? And sometimes they cannot, mm. and sometimes they can, but in a way that like breaks down into little prime uh, representations, sort of irreducibles. Um, and there's a bunch of work going on right now of like, can you classify all of these? Can you figure out what are the certain like prime elements in this realm? This sounds so specific. Right, no, I was just going to say this sounds (laughs) very, very like honing in onto the one because I feel like it's, it can't be like the research going on can't be very generalized because I feel like all the general ideas are already put through, right? Because the example that you are at least talking about with what's going on right now with groups is it's, as you very well said, so specialized, right? Like is like, are we simply trying to understand because we already understand the major ideas of groups. Are we just trying to understand like the specific places? Where I don't even think we understand. We don't. We, we don't, don't even understand, understand that. Okay. Okay. No. We understand a little slice. Okay. But aren't they just something that we made up? Yes. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's most of that. That, that <laughs> that's argument applies to everything. Symmetry. Right. Right. We're trying to say, what does it mean? How can you tell when something's symmetric? And to do that, we make up a bunch of stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> different structures mm-hmm. that we can put on it and ways that we can analyze those structures. So where did group theory start? Do you know? Like, What were the first I kind of... some recollections. I mean, it's also kind of hard to say because sort of foundations of math changed a lot in the 1800s. Mm -hmm. Um, when groups were being recognized as something Mm -hmm. and they sort of came up at the same time as as algebraic structures. Mm. So probably things like matrices are probably older than groups. Um, But then when people figure it out, you can use matrices to describe other stuff. You can use groups. Groups used to just live in this world of permutations. Then like the way to talk about a group was to say that it's some collection of permutations of some objects. Um, and that didn't let us do like infinite stuff. So m- mid 1800s, mm. late 1800s. Cause um, I mean, I'm, I'm just guessing that the study of groups 
has gone from something rather simple and then blossomed into very complicated ideas nowadays, I'm guessing. And so I guess my question is, if we were to go back to when like groups were just being thought of, like, what were the foundational ideas that were being brought up at its inception? Sure. So a lot of it starts with finite groups. Then is, can you figure out what are the possible group structures you can put on a finite set? Like if I say, there's a group and it has five elements in it. Can you write down the multiplication table for these five elements? Mm. And it's going to look like a little Sudoku. And because everything has an inverse, so there should be like one of each element in every row and one of each in every column. But this composition has its own little structure, which is if you do three things, it shouldn't matter which two you do first. Mm -hmm. So if I do A, B, and then compose that with C, mm -hmm. that should be the same as if I did A with B, C. Mm -hmm. like B, C first, and then yeah. put A, put it on the left, you know, put the same order. That puts a big restriction on stuff. A restriction? Yes. Right. So, like, not every Sudoku that right. you fill out will have that, follow that rule. This is not every group, But doesn't group, that make though, it... Right. I'm sorry? This is not every group, though. Every group has this property, yes. The, the composition must be associative, we would say. Hmm. It right. doesn't have to work, like, symmetric. It doesn't have to work right. commutative. Exactly. Commutative. So, but like, you're thinking of, like, matrix groups... If you take invertible matrices and use multiplication, you know if somebody writes like A times B times C, you don't have to ask them which one they did first. Mm -hmm. Those are the same. But if you do AB, that might be different than BA. In the case of this multiplication table, it is commutative, though, because you're just dealing with multiplying numbers. For five? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm saying like the operation can be whatever. Right. Right? Like, you have five things. They okay. might be five letters. Okay. Mm. Um, yeah. They don't necessarily do, like, addition multiplication like numbers do. Now, in the case of five, yeah, try it out. Do it. There is only one. With four, there's two different ways you could do it. And with six, there's some non-commutative ways you can do it. Wait, sorry, do what? Fill out a table. Oh, okay. How about this? It'll go like, like um, we like to use E as the sort of zero as the identity element, but you would have like E and then A and then B and then C, and I'm going to multiply those things by E and then A and then B and then C. Um, and E times anything will just be itself. Oh, so you have to define these rules. And now I have to define like what's going to go, what's going to go in those extra little spots down there. And what I need is Sudoku rules. I need one of everything in every row and every column. Right. So you can start choosing. Like, what do you want to go here? Does and it have to be one of it E, It can't a, be B, an C? A, but it, yes, it has to be okay. one of these things. <laughs> We're not going to go outside of the group. But I could say any letter. Well, don't pick A. Why not? Because there's already an A in that row. You have to, yeah. You have to pick B oh. or some other thing. Yeah. Wait, okay. so if you do B, C... Wait, now I'm just confused. You do B, C, E. You can do another E in there. What do you want? You want E here? 
Well, I was just thinking BCE, but yeah, I mean, EBC would also work. No, no, no. EBC doesn't work. It's BCE, right? Yeah. BCE just for the work. audio listeners out there. Right, right. No, I think he's showing. Oh, I got the first row is going to be E, A, B, C, and Ray wants the second row to be that shifted. Right. So it goes A, B, C, E. My whole idea is just to keep shifting it. Okay. okay. Won't that work? Oh, wait, am I, am I so wrong? Yeah, Won't that work? Just for the audio listeners, we're filling out. A table, a four by four, a four grid. by four grid, Dude, like a multiplication this table. Yeah, like a multiplication table, but there are letters instead of numbers, and we mm. get to decide what goes in each mm-hmm. spot. So Ray basic. says yeah, A times A should give us B, mm-hmm. and then he wants B times A to be C, and we're just gonna yep. cycle again so cycling. that B times C is A. Okay, interesting. And then our last one is going to be decided again. because we have to put one in every yeah. row and every column. So, okay. So, yeah, so we is. get to That's decide. <laughs> we get to decide what each, what the action of each element on another on element gets. Yes. Okay. And the reason you said there are only two is because, yeah, the moment you switch C, that doesn't work anymore. Or you, or, or you can do it for C again, but then you can't do it all the yeah, way again. Try to right? make up these tables. Right, that, like, that's what I'm saying. You, There's you can't do it three. There's two different problems that okay. can show up. One is you have to remember things are associative, which can be hard to read in a table. Mm-hmm. That if I do like, okay, A times B times C has to give me the same thing as A times B times C. Mm-hmm. And A times B is something in this table. And B times C is something else in this table. Right. And then I have to do another comparison to make sure. Oh, right. We, had, so we why, didn't actually check it that way. Why, are we, why are we guaranteed associability when we just make up we're not. this table? Oh, we're not. So how can you say that this is a group? Because that's not associated. Because I recognize it. Oh, oh it is. This <laughs> okay. is my friend C4. Okay. Wait, really? This is a cyclic group oh, of four elements. No way. That's cool. We just, okay. It's just like doing mod four addition. One, two, three. Zero, one, two, three. Oh. And if you want, you can switch them all out, make E0, make A1. This says, what, 1 plus 1 equals 2, 1 plus 2 equals 3, 1 plus 3 equals 0 oh, no again. They mm. Oh, they actually work. Oh, damn, that's 3 cool. plus 3 gives me 2, that's mod yeah, 4. very interesting. Yeah. Wow. Wow. A <laughs> cyclic group cool. just invented go. on the pot. No, not invented. <laughs> <Sorry>. Discovered. <laughs> Dis- yeah. Discovered. We discovered. Exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> That's um, pretty so what is and your the, plan, your idea that you yeah. can just keep shifting yeah. is true. So for so every works. number that you want, there's always that cyclic group. Oh. And you can think about it as That's symmetries of sort of like pick points on a circle that are equally spaced. Mm-hmm. Or if you want, you know, here a square, but I'm not going to turn to the other side. I'm just going to do rotations. One, two, right. three, four. And as soon as I've gone all the way four times around, I'm back to where I started. Right. So if you imagine... This is this. If you imagine a square and you just label each one of the corners with one of these elements. Here we said E, A, B, C, but it could be 0, 1, 2, 3. And then if you were to say, okay, let's start at 0 and we add 3. It's like rotating it three times. And then what element do you get there? Well, you would get a 3. But if you were to add another three, you rotate it three times, you would end up at, right, zero, one, two. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly what we were doing on the board there. It's the same as just rotating a square with 
those elements on the corners. Yeah, that's sick. Yeah. Now, that's there's another cool. group, and I think Parker wanted to do a thing where you can put an E right at the start. I'm just going to redraw this table again, and I put the same first line. But now I want A times A to equal E. And then I can fill in the rest. Of course, yeah, you can keep I can't put a B and a C here. Yeah, Fine. I'm going to do those in reverse and then down here, a similar problem. Oh, wait, okay. you're not doing cyclic anymore. You're just, oh, you're just, okay. Mm. Right, so here the condition is that A times A equals E. Mm -hmm. Then mm -hmm. what? Then what? Right. So now, can we fill this out? Can we fill in the remaining two by two part? I put in everything below E and A and across from E and A because those were determined. Um, I have to get one of every letter in every row and every column. Sudoku rule. And then what do I do in this last part? You just have A's and E's left. I have A's and E's. So we can make B times B equal A. And then that will decide everything else. Or we can make B times B equal to E. And that will also decide everything else. Like the E's could just go on the diagonal. The E's there. can go on the diagonal. But is that? I mean, I've, I mean, I'm obviously. I mean, I'm. I'm sure you've, you're thinking of this, but I'm not even thinking about the associativity when we're doing this. Or the associativity is another thing to check. To. Yeah. <laughs> you, you cannot. I'm not even I cannot look at it and I'm think even, about it. Okay. Right. I have to go. <laughs> yeah. This is what I'm doing last night. I was like, is four by four a small enough example that works? Yeah. Like, okay. I think yeah. it is. Yeah. But I have to check like associativity is a problem. Um, but here, okay. This is going to highlight two different issues we have. One, if you do put those E's there, this actually is a different group. Now we have B times B and C times C and A times A. They all give us the identity. So that's not invertible. They're each invertible. Because if you, if you transform to E, how do you know which, one to, which element to go back on? Right? I mean, whichever one you used. But if I, were to, if I were to start with E okay. and apply the inverse of what? Of this operate like I'm the, you're given E A B C mm -hmm. and this rule for transforming the elements and I say okay I give you E and I say what is the inverse of the transformation of E no E is what you're applying it to does this I, not make I sense? Know, I totally understand what you're saying. He's just saying because A by A, B by B, uh, C times C, oh, they're they all both equal bring to the back. same thing. Yeah, so when you, you, you don't know you where you came from. Yeah, you don't know which from. way you came exactly. from. That's true. You don't know where we came from. So it's, so it's not invertible. No, it's invertible. Oh. <laughs> I mean, if you know what operation you did, you can undo it. Okay, yeah. Right? If you know if what I you did If I have A and I multiply by A, I can multiply by A again. So it's not surjective. It's also surjective. <laughs> okay. You oh no, can, it's not. You sorry. can tell uh, this rule about like there's always one of everything in every row in no, every column. Not. Oh it's right, okay, yeah, that makes sense. There right. must be something that gets sent to E, and that's going to be the. Inverse. Oh, I was thinking about this all wrong the entire time because oh. every letter is a different function, right? So. But also is a thing. Yeah, it, it is yeah, also yeah, a yeah, thing. That's, right? that's, the, that's I the confusing. Part. I was thinking of the whole table as one function, but it's. 
Nice. Try to think of it like right. when you take yeah. the real numbers except for zero and you multiply by two. Yeah. You again get all the real numbers. And if somebody didn't tell you that they multiply by two, you go, well, there's no way I can undo. I can't tell <coughs> what we started with or what you multiplied by. Mm -hmm. But if they tell you what you, they multiplied by, you can undo it. Yeah, you would know. Okay. That makes sense. That is actually, yeah, that's interesting. And you mentioned... Oh, so sorry, let me not put in E four here. By four. Right. Let me do the alternate version, which is what if I put right. an A there? Okay. So now there are A's on the diagonal. Now this is another... There's A's on two of the diagonals. Two, so two I made of the B diagonals. times B equal to A, and I made C times C equal to A. While both the identity and A times A are both E. Right. Like, I don't even know what to think. Am I really yeah, going to do know. this in my I head? Like, uh, right am I going to do the yeah. association? Do you recognize this group? No. Think. Okay. That was really fast. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, you could say no right away. <laughs> you didn't even think. You ever seen this guy before? Nah. Never. <laughs> never seen it in my life. Um, okay. By the okay. way, for the, for the listeners, we're, we're just, just staring, staring at, at this. Piece of paper. We're just staring we're at just a piece staring of paper right now. At the, uh, Do you recognize the guy in the bottom right? We know who the big one is. That's C4. I want to ask a question about that after because I don't really know what that is. And I know he mentions it a lot, like C3, C4 and whatnot. Oh, C is for cyclic. And we're saying like, it's like points on a circle and you can rotate them. Oh, oh that's far easier than what I was. So if I you want to represent whole... like C4 is really the numbers 1, I, minus 1, minus, minus I. I. Yeah, yeah. And if you multiply yeah. those together, you can think of yeah. E, A, B, and C being 1, I, minus 1, minus I. So all of this is complex. Is that true? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. <laughs> Not necessarily. You can just map this onto that problem. Yeah. Right? Because just by given the elements and the operations of each other, mm -hmm. what they give, it's the same thing if you were to use those complex numbers, right? So it's a way so to look at it. The complex ones can describe the abelian versions right. where the multiplication is commutative. Hmm. Um, but if we don't have a commutative multiplication like with matrices, then we can't say they're, they're like complex numbers. Sorry, we still haven't figured out that group. I don't think I have an answer, to be honest. <laughs> well, you do. This is C4 again. Oh. These are the same. <laughs> oh, whoa. <laughs> Wait. Wait, why? So, but instead of here, imagine this number A oh. as being 2. You just replaced. I moved them around. Uh. Right, so now eight. 2 plus 2 gives me 0, mod 4. 2 plus 1 gives me 3. Did I do that right? 1 plus 1 gives me 2. 3 plus 3 gives me 2. Yeah. Oh, you just re... Oh, literally. Yes. Just rearranged it. Just rearranged it. So you should, oh. not, you should not be upset about this. This is a fundamental problem mm. that we have, which mm. is recognizing a group. Mm -hmm. How do we do know when it, two groups are the same? Does it have to do with the permutations? That you were talking about earlier? Certainly. How, like the permutations of elements also is part of a, a group or I don't know. I don't know the wording, but. Well, so if I give a representation of a group, like we took these E, A, B, C, and we said you can think of them like 0, 1, 2, 3, and add them mod 4, that's mm -hmm. one way to describe that group. But if yeah. someone gives you a different description, how do you know if it's the same group or a different group? 
And that's a fundamentally challenging problem. Oh, there's no answer. There's not a good answer. <laughs> okay. We don't have good ways. So what we try to do is figure out different properties of groups, how we can compare them with each other. Um, we do have a really good way if the groups are abelian, but if they're not, it's, so, it's a struggle. Mm. This is called the group isomorphism problem. And it's just a famous hard problem. There's actually a question that I have listed here on uh, explaining the first isomorphism theorem. Okay. Which is apparently... That's know, an you, important You mentioned theorem. the word, so here's my question. Does it have anything to do with it? Or is it is it like a very important theorem that might so describe... Isomorphism, amorphism about? is like a map or a function. And iso means if they're the same or not. So, so iso auto, means same. So auto is on itself. Auto is on itself. And iso is... The same. The same. Okay. So so a group is automorphic, is that is that is that correct language? Mm, no. I would not a group is that. isomorphic. That does mean something, but that's not what you want it to mean. Okay. Oh damn. Um, that's more complicated. You would more say complicated. Like, one group is isomorphic to another group. Oh right, right. Mm. No, obviously the, the sort same. Of, yeah, sort yeah. of like things being equal. No, no obviously. You gotta describe right, right. them both. But a group is automorphic, makes sense? No, we so would also not. No, no, that no, that not really. is a meaningful term, but it's not it's the thing itself, that you wanted no. to mean. Okay, but I, I, I think I understand a little bit about the word. So, yeah, if you want to continue on what the theorem is or if it's important at all in relevance to. Yeah, so this yeah. first isomorphism theorem, I don't know. How much do you want to know? Um, well, probably <laughs> surface to, level. How much it do you want to tell us? Tells us. <laughs> okay. How about this? If you think about them like vector spaces, this is a good way I like to do this. Okay. Is you can map one vector space to another vector space with a matrix. And then if you know things about that matrix, like what's the kernel of the matrix, which vectors does it send to zero? And if you know some stuff like what's the image of the matrix, then you can sort of reconstruct what this original space looked like. Because there's a certain amount of things that get, there's a subspace that all gets sent to zero, there's a subspace that gets sent to something that looks like itself. That's the image. And together, those two pieces fit together and make your original space. This is sounding like rank nullity. It's exactly rank nullity. <laughs> yeah. So the first isomorphism theorem is rank nullity for groups. It's oh, exactly okay. the same thing. Oh, so what is, what is the equivalent of, of rank, the rank of a group? Hmm. It would be nullity. something like the, the image of the... So we need a function between groups, I suppose, right? We right. need a group morphism. So you have one group okay. and another group, and we have some way of sending things from one to another. So the elements... In this example, like with two C4s, mm -hmm. I can say uh, send B to one and send A to two and send C to three. That's an isomorphism with the set Z mod four. And we can also... Sorry, that's a group morphism. Would we also be allowed to transform the operation in this? Yes. Okay, so you can send, let's say, addition to multiplication on You know a very famous thing that elements. sends addition to multiplication, and it's the exponential? Yeah. And the exponential is a group homomorphism between the real numbers, the positive real numbers with multiplication, and the regular, all the real numbers with addition. Then is, if you want to add together real numbers, you can, instead of doing that, <laughs> take an exponential and then multiply some positive mm. real numbers. Mm -hmm. Or if you needed to multiply positive real numbers, instead of doing that, you can take a log and move mm -hmm. down into the adding group. Interesting. 
I never thought of those those as different groups though. Like I guess going oh. into the space. Yeah, if one has addition and one has multiplication, the operations right. are different. No, but, but you described like the log space as a group in essence. Or did I misunderstand that? But I think you were trying to say like the yeah. addition group. I'm thinking of right? that as so the addition. Yeah. It just this is a very interesting way to think about. Because again, I mean, that's where that, I add yeah, stuff, right? right? In right. log space, I want to add things, and in mm -hmm. the exponential, I want to multiply things. Mm -hmm. That's uh, that, that's pretty fascinating. So you were mentioning uh, finite groups as well, and uh, infinite groups and possibilities of them. Sure. And how a two by two is also an infinite group, for example. So, ah, so if we talk about like all, if we take all the invertible two by two matrices, right. that's a group because we can multiply matrices and everything has an inverse, but it's an infinite group. There's infinitely many things in it, right? Different mm -hmm. matrices. Right. Whereas these finite groups, we just have some certain number mm -hmm. and we want to know what are the different, what's the multiplications or like what's the operation we can put on this set to make it into a group. So my understanding is right. These are all finite groups. Yes, sorry, right, C4 right, is right, finite. Right. Okay, okay. And you gave your example of an infinite family of finite groups. If you just make this Sudoku and you keep shifting by one, mm -hmm. that always makes a group. It always makes this cyclic group. So you get one for well, every like number. infinite. But oh. you get one for every number, right? Any mm. C, N that you want. Oh. And sometimes that's the only possible one you can get. I just... I want to bring this back to the, the theorem that we almost finished talking about. No, we finished it. <coughs> oh, did, about right, right. Because Wait, did I, did I, did I? So oops. we were talking about how, like, what does it mean for a group morphism to have a rank or to have a kernel? What does that even mean? Like, uh -huh. what, what does it so mean to So the kernel send? is easier to describe. It's okay. just like in the matrix mm -hmm. case, it's all the things that get sent to the zero. Yeah. And the zero in a group case is whatever the identity is. The, there's an element that doesn't do anything. Um, and we know it's there because everything has an inverse. So if you do something and then it's inverse, you get something in the group. That's the identity. Okay. So it's the kernel is asking what things got sent to the zero, right. the zero in the space. So, and then for rank, <laughs> mm, we don't exactly have like a numerical yeah. thing. What we do instead is just take the original group and quotient and mod out by all of the things that got sent to the identity. So we would say, mm, these two elements are equivalent because I sent something to the identity. Mm -hmm. In the C4 case, if you want, you can think of them send all the even numbers to zero and send all the odd numbers to one. And that's a group homomorphism from C4 to C2. Oh, yes. And it tells you something about C4 that secretly it was really two copies of C2 together. Yes, this actually connects the dots on something my prof wrote on the board. He said, he said uh, SU2, squiggly line Z2. Okay. equals SO3 <laughs> is what he said. Sure, yes. And so basically, I think this what this means is like you have SU2, which I guess we'll describe in a sec, but I just want to get this out. You, you have SU2, and if you divide out by uh, Z3, or sorry, Z2, then you get SO3, basically mod, um, 
mod um, a negative sign, I think is what I'm trying to say. Well, those are in that Z2, right? But okay, sure, yes. So yes. SO3 is saying what are all of the different orthogonal three by three matrices. So things, matrix transformations that preserve lengths um, and I guess angles. And then the S part is saying, just take the determinant one matrices. Mm -hmm. Don't, you're not allowed to go into like mirror world. Everything is turned inside out. Just stay in the regular space where we're moving around in. Mm -hmm. So that SO3 is describing all the different ways you can move around in space sort of like rotations and reflection but not a single reflection all right <laughs> and then su2 is this oh sorry su3 you want to describe su2 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 and z is this lie three. algebra that z, is yeah. sort of describing tangents in this world or there's an exponential um I don't know how much you want to get into Lie algebra. No, Another that, it's okay. No, I just, we actually had Mihai talk about this. Do you remember? Yeah. yeah. And Lee is another hard episodes. name, math name, because he's uh, Swedish, Swedish Norwegian at a time when those are the same country. And Lee is spelled L-I-E. Mm -hmm. uh, you want to look up Sophus Lee. So that's why it's pronounced that way. That's interesting, actually. Mm. <laughs> that's pretty sad for his name, though, because that's now he's not known like he was known. You know? Now, when you say right, Lie, right. you're like, who's Lie? Well, we don't say lie. Don't That's say why we lie, say leak. <laughs> oh, you actually. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, we do try to make the. Let's just follow. Know on the way Let's known. just follow on from that. That's okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the way to think about like first isomorphism theorem in groups, I think, is like rank nullity. Mm -hmm. um, there's not necessarily a thing that is like the rank, but more like the image, or like mm -hmm. what's the equivalent? What stuff did not get sent to mm -hmm. something like zero? So he mentioned, you mentioned something briefly about SU2 divided by SU3 gives you S or something no, like that. And that just got me thinking, no, 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 it has nothing to do with that. It just got me thinking, like, can you do oper, I mean, I'm sure you can, but just the question, you can do operations between groups. Can you? Is, yes. that, is that meaningful? We like, have some great ways to divide, combine groups together. Right. Oh. So what, it, what does it mean when you divide? Because again, my very surface level understanding of groups, as you mentioned, is like things that you do to objects. Mm -hmm. So when you like multiply or divide versus add and subtract, can you add and subtract groups? Like what are the, what, and yeah, what does how it can mean you when you do that? Groups. Exactly, how There's can you combine groups? A real nice, simple way is like direct product of groups. Okay. Where you can sort of think of, instead of just adding like zero, one, two, three, what if you had pairs? What if you had mm. all of the 16 different combinations of zeros and ones and twos and threes as a two vec two dimensional vectors. Then you can do a C4 on the first one, you can do a C4 on the second one, and you can have a whole group that's like C4 cross C4. You get a bunch of different ways of moving these 16 things to each other. Oh. So mm. you can build up groups like that. There's other fancier ways of doing products, like mm. a wreath product. But what does a product mean exactly? Because again, like I think mm. I under, I mean, I, I think I get the math, but my question is like, what does it mean when you do, like maybe you can give an example of like simple groups, like you were talking about rotating squares, for example. Like, what do you mean when you have a group of 
something multiplied by a group of something else. Like oh, maybe like you if can I have two squares. Oh, just, okay. <laughs> like I can turn. I, I thought it's the same square. Wait. Independently, I can oh, turn this other yeah, square. Oh yeah, that actually. Oh, I was thinking it's the same square. You're saying they're. No right. Oh. That makes well. He said. He said. Um, you know, you take C four and you cross it with C four. With C four, right? You know? Right, right, right. Now, if you just cross two different objects together, you rotate one of them, the pair is, still looks the same. You mm. know, or you can rotate both, but the pair still looks the same. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, like a groove. Thank you to Brilliant for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you've been listening so far, then I'm sure you've been liking what you've been listening to. Then go check out Brilliant, where interestingly enough, they have an entire playlist exactly on group theory. So why not go check them out at brilliant.org forward slash MPP, where the first 200 listeners get a 20% off your premium subscription for Brilliant. So why not go check them out? Uh, Link is in the description below. And enjoy the episode. Hold up. I, I think I mentioned this before and you and you said that's wrong. So but there's maybe correct me again, but like a group. So w- when you multiply two groups, that can be a new group. Yes. Oh. <laughs> and it can describe different ways of combining the objects. So the one way of like, okay, you take a square, you take another square, mm-hmm. and you just independently turn them. That's right, a perfectly right. good way to yeah. do, make a group. What if I took a square? I glued it on the back of the other square. I can make a new group that describes this kind of a product where I've taken like a C2 that is like a flip Mm -hmm. and I stuck it onto a C4, but in a way that's not like if I, I can't do them independently. Mm, If I, maybe I can get this to show because it'll face upright. Mm -hmm. But if I turn it, counterclockwise and then flip it maybe i'm gonna flip first let me flip turn it counterclockwise flip it back it ends up words facing this way not the same way right but if i just do hmm how do i get that from here i have to turn it the opposite direction than the way that i originally turned so is this an example? Oh, I see what you just did there. Sorry. The, this would also demonstrate the fact that it's not commutative, right? Because yes. the order in which you flip and rotate does, does matter. Ma- yes. Yeah. So here's an example that is called a dihedral group. Mm. Um, it's dihedral because there's two sides. Hedron is a face. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if we take something that has two faces, we can figure out the symmetries of each of them and then glue those groups together along a way that maps from like a flip. Right, but we don't need commutativity. Commutivity. No. Yeah, we don't need, we don't ask we just need commutativity. Yeah. Okay. And so now this is a different way of making a product. It's not this direct product. It's a kind of fancier, the new, the new group doesn't just act independently, it does something to the original group mm-hmm. also. In this case, it turns it backwards. Would you be allowed to glue, let's say, an octagon on the back of a square? Sure. But you 
I guess that would kind I'm of I'm thinking this works out because four divides yeah, eight. Yeah, that, that's what I was thinking. Um, <laughs> if we took two groups and they have like co-prime number of elements in them, like if you took a pentagon and a square and you asked for symmetries, there's not going to be a symmetry that keeps them both looking like they were. No. But you can just say, let me take the whole collection. Let me take all 20 different turns of five and four. Yeah, that's a group. They're just not going to have the cohesive. They won't have any um, wreath product. <laughs> there mm. won't be. So it's Although, not. I don't want to say that. Let me yeah. not say that. <laughs> There's definitely going to be numbers where this they do exist like that. And probably 20 might be one of them. Okay. The next. There's a big problem with finite groups. And it's that we don't know what they are. Wait, the finite is the problem. I thought the infinite the was the problem. The whole thing oh, are no. open problems. Just, okay. Jeez. <laughs> Um, let me give you some stats. Sure. So I told you, or you know, there's at least one group of every size. Right. From doing this cyclic thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. If that size is prime, that's the only possible group. Oh. That is so fascinating, really. So, so the primes are very special. Because you mentioned C3 only has one. C3 only has one. So, so every... Five is the only one. Fascinating. C7 is the only one. So let's say you discover... What? A group... Would it be the number of elements? We usually describe the number of elements. That's the size of the group. So let's say you discover a group of size 11. And then a different way you discover another one that's size 11, they automatically They're have to be the They're definitely the same group. Okay. Okay. Now, we don't always know the isomorphism. Right. But gen and oftentimes, like, there are multiple ways to go from, mm. like, describing them. Um, but yes, those are definitely the same group. Hmm. But now let me go up a little bit. Let's say like for some powers, if I multiply numbers together, I suddenly have lots more combinations of what I can do. So these sort of composite sizes get way more groups in them. Mm -hmm. Is it kind of a function of the number of factors the number of prime factors the number of factors makes a big difference we get a lot of them when the primes are repeated mm. so i think the current okay what's cutting edge um so a thousand and twenty four that's two to the ten something like 15 years ago we figured out how many groups there are with two to the 10 elements. How can you be sure that that <laughs> the, the number that you found is encompasses every single group? That's a good question. Yeah. Some people also had found out the number earlier, but mm. I was incorrect. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we do it very carefully. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but here's this amazing thing is that there's so many more of size 1,024 than of any other size nearby. Mm. So if you look at all of the possible groups up to size 2000, if you pick one at random, something like 99.9% .9 of the time, it's got size 1024. Wow. They're almost all there. Wow. Wait, sorry, sorry, what? Uh, Lay out all of the groups from size one there's so, so many is what you're saying yeah. there's so many at that one place yeah and what sorry could you explain why that is i know you mentioned the two to the ten well but two I to the ten there's just a lot of different ways that you can fill out this table 
you how do we even figure that out? Of twos. That's another <laughs> very good question. Here's another follow-up. If you want to try to figure out, we don't know the number for two to the eleven. We don't know how many groups there are with two thousand and forty-eight elements. It's definitely way bigger. It's definitely way bigger. <laughs> Wait, but we have yeah. some lower bounds. We know the exact size of a certain big useful set of them, but we don't know. There's like these extra ones, and we don't we don't know how to count them. So wow. now I'm seriously curious on how we got the ten to the twenty-four. I mean, uh, two to the ten, because I mean, I would assume that there's like some sort of formula or or something pointing you towards counting. Like, how do you do the how do you do the two to the ten? You don't count them. If you're on, you can look up the online encyclopedia of integer sequences OEIS, and it gives a list of a whole bunch of different things that involve integers. The very first sequence in the OEIS is how many groups are there of a given size. Wow. And we do not have a function for it. Wow. I can tell you what the answer for every prime. So one. But then how did they, I still don't get how they figured There's out. There's a lot the of stuff. <laughs> Maybe. Oh my, that's just confusing. It's a lot of structure, right? It's a lot of analyzing what can possibly go in these spots. Is there a simple reason why the prime numbers only have one group? Mm. Or is it complicated? That's a good question, I guess. Hmm. So we know they have at least one. At least one. Because you can think about, you know, the regular polygon. You can definitely rotate. The cyclic right. group is always there. Right. So how come there's not any other one? That's a good question. Hmm. I guess I would look at, okay, there's some element. What happens if I compose it with itself over and over again? Eventually, I know I land back at the identity. How do you know that? Uh, either because I know there's an identity somewhere in my row, or if I want... I only have finitely many elements that I can ever hit. So if I just keep track of right. them, like if I go, okay, it goes A and then B and then C and then R and then T. And then if I ever get a repeat, then right. I know exactly that many A's in between the repeats was the identity. Right? So like if the second and the fifth thing are both the same, then I know it only took me four steps, two to three, right. three to four, four to five. Only took me three steps to get to doing nothing. Mm -hmm. So it's finite. There has to be a repeat. That number of steps got me the identity. And then we do a little number theory. And we get something like uh, Lagrange's theorem that says whatever the, this would be called the order of the element, the number of times I have to multiply by itself to get to the identity, that has to divide the size of the group. So then I know. So if it's prime, then there's only, prime. <laughs> there's only one option. Yes. And uh. then I can describe the whole group as just being some number of multiples of this one thing, which is exactly the cyclic group. Hmm. So was that an easy, was that an easy That was group? easy enough, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. So, 
but yeah, the non-primes, the composites are fascinating and we still do not understand them. I'm still trying to figure out, man, my, my, my head's, I'm still trying to figure out the two to the 10 thing. <laughs> or it's like, mind blowing, or, right? or even There's like, just so many more of that size. Or let me pose, what about two to the five or like two yes, to the seven? So smaller ones. So every right. new one is like a record breaker mm-hmm. in terms of the number of groups of that oh. size. Okay. So I told you what, there's one group of size five and one of size seven, of course. Uh, for six, I guess there's two groups of size six. But eight is And for like eight, crazy. there's going to be, I think there's only five of them. Okay. Well, way more right? than the ones before. Uh, quaternions, uh, there's, there's two non-abelian ones, and then there's the three nice ones. Yeah, five. I think there's five. Okay. So there's five for the... Hmm. And then there aren't five of another group for a while. Is there really no pattern? <clears throat> sorry, pattern to show that? Because uh, I tell you, it's tough stuff. <laughs> I mean, that's like as asking as for the primes. No, no, I know. Basically, like, it's I hard. guess it's like I is guess there, it's similar. Is there a pattern for the primes? No, because I'm just saying if two to the te- if two to the why two to the what about three to the yes. what about four so to the so three and four, four I guess. will also have a lot of groups. so three like powers of three so like. Three to the four, there's more groups of size 81 than there are of two to the four, 16. Wait a second. Oh, so. It's mm. just that it's bigger, so we don't get to it. As you right. so, so three to the, so, so. Three to the 10 probably beats two to the that, 10. I was just going to ask that exactly. Yeah. No okay, idea. exactly. It's just way bigger. Exactly. No, but exactly. also, you said four to the power, but no, that's I know. also I'm, two that, to that's the. That's why I corrected myself. That's why yeah. I corrected myself. But, um, so, is there any property about, no, no, probably not. Because there's no. There's nothing that we get primes, no. I was just thinking about if prime, like, to the power of anything gives... I mean, I'm just thinking sure. about any kind so of power. So prime squareds have a really nice structure. Oh, so there is something. Okay, that's interesting. If you know that your group has an order that's prime squared, then you can say some things about it. It's very restricted. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm. And prime cubed is a little bit restricted, but it gets kind of <laughs> messy I'm already. Cubed. Yeah. And then because bigger powers is like we don't have any kind of we don't have sort of structure theorems about what they have to look like, and they can all they can have really strange, interesting structures. So then it really must bog down to the factors or like the number of factors in in, in mm-hmm. essence, and sort of how you can m- mash them together. Kind of so, like mm. I can have a group of order eight. I don't need to spin it eight times. I might have like four spins and a flip, mm. or I might have. Four spins and then separately a flip that doesn't affect the four spins. But then, th- and I might have sorry, something yeah. else that is more like a complex number multiplication, matrix multiplication. The, re- the reason I ask that specifically is because, like, three, for example. In fact, you wait, have this group, it- right? You have like IJK and the minus one. And for what? The quaternions. Oh, I'm not very familiar. I know okay. what they are, but. Because three. Because the whole point of two is that it, like two to the power of something, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, like two to the power of five would have more factors than three to the power of five, for example, right? Uh, Factors as a number, they'll have the same number of factors. Exactly the same. Yeah, because six. Wait, what? (laughs) One second. (laughs) How? Two to the five has six factors, right? No, well, I mean, I just spitballed a number, but I'm just thinking like two to the five and three to the five have the same number of factors. Yeah, Yeah, because it's, Two times two times two. Okay, times no, two. again, I'm not thinking, mate. I'm I'm trying to generalize it. Like two to the n versus three to the n. I'm trying to generalize it. Still, mm-hmm. they would have n factors. N plus one. Wait, what? If you're multiplying it n times. Uh huh. 
you have n factors for n plus one. Maybe we mean said? different things by factors. I'm talking no, about mate, like I, I, divisors. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm talking about factors. Like 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 six Numbers has factors divided. two, three, yes. and six. Yes. One, two, three, and six. Like so factors. Two to the five and three to yeah, the five. Yeah. I'm saying that's okay. how the same number of factors. Okay. So, but that, I don't get that. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, how how is two to the n and three to the n have same number of factors? Oh, this is back to like our number theory episode. Oh, right. right. I guess if it is a little take, bit. I guess how do you write down bit. a factor of two to the n? Well, it's two to some power, and the power has to be between zero and n. Right. So there's n plus one. Oh. Yeah. That makes sense. What? Wait a second. <laughs> well, if you're counting the factors of two to the n, you have one, which is two to the zero, two, four, and then all the way up to two. Oh, because oh, right, we're 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 counting the, we're counting the numbers themselves. Right, right. No, obviously in that case, I feel like because you're counting. But even three, for example. Wait, three, for example. But in terms of number of groups, two to the n and three to the n have a different number of groups for n bigger than. I think four even is small enough. I think sixteen and eighty-one is distinct. No, because that's really why I was asking. I'm like, is there like is there something special with two to the ten, or like two to the five versus five to the five? Like, well, would five to the five have more groups? I think yes, but they won't right. have the same amount. Look of this factors. up. Group props wiki. They have some information. Would they have the things that are known? They have all the <laughs> stuff that we know. I'm, I think five to the five might be like beyond our realm of comprehension. Okay. Yeah, that's a, that, that. Wait, because um, it takes also a lot of computational power yeah. to like this, search through the possible Sudokus and see which ones are associated. Yeah. This actually reminds me very lightly on something I'm doing right now in combinatorics, where it's like the R number. Do you know for like a graph of size n, it has like n points. Mm -hmm. You want to know the amount of ways that you can um make a triangle between three points oh okay counting triangles in a graph yeah counting triangles sure. and something like the the r number for a graph of size five is doable but no one knows the answer oh ram oh, like ramsey yeah ramsey oh, okay, yeah yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> but if it's like r6 then it's like forget about it because it's way too yes. way too big of a number to for so, somebody to find out even f yeah Five is hard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> five, we don't know. I think... So this is a problem of, like, you have some graph and you color in the edges. Yeah, yeah. And we want to know, can you find a collection of points, like five of them that are all connected to each other with the same color? Sorry, quickly. Uh, edges of a graph? So I, don't, I don't know if I'm personally Just familiar with that. Imagine points, and yeah. the points are connected. No, but you, you so mentioned the word edge, edges. Which yeah, is and, like, and oh. edges what connects two points together. Oh, yeah. okay, 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 that's just, okay, I understand. So yeah. if you take like five points and you make a little star shape and you make a little pentagon around them, then you've made all the possible connections of those five things. Mm -hmm. And so there'll be five times four divided by two, 10 edges, or five choose two. Mm -hmm. And then in that case, it's possible that you can color them. You can color the whole pentagon blue, you can color the whole star red, and you never get a triangle. Mm -hmm. But if you have six points and you color the edges, no matter how you color them, there's always a triangle in the same color. Mm -hmm. Whoa. So essentially the, the, That's sick. the question I, is how many, cool. for, for a given number of points, what is the number of edges 
in which you cannot like how big make of a that graph shape, do you yeah. need to guarantee that you can find Yeah, exactly. That was way better. Well, way that's better. I said it a bunch of yeah. times. No, I think yeah. I understood <laughs> what you just said better. right there. How big of a graph do you need? So like to the guarantee. next thing after triangle would be like, okay, what if you had four points all connected to each other? So it makes like a little square with an X through it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How many do you need to guarantee that you get that? And I think you need 18, 17 or 18. I think 17. You can take 17 points. You can draw all the possible 17 times 16 divided by two connections between them. You can make them two different colors, and you don't get this square with an X in it. Mm -hmm. But once you get to 18, you're guaranteed to have one. Mm. So this is some very hard combinatorics problem as soon as we get up to five and six. Yeah, five and six. Five. The numbers are big. It was, I think... It was the Ramsey number? Yes, these are Ramsey numbers. I think I think Ramsey is the one who said, if you want to calculate... Mm-hmm. Um, probably Dutch. Right, right. That is, you're right. <laughs> so he, he said, uh, if you want to calculate R5, you can ask every mathematician, put them in a room, give them all of the resources and computers, and they will eventually get it. But if you say R6... Impossible. <laughs> wow. He had a more fatalistic <laughs> yeah. phrasing of this. Where yeah, with are, the aliens. There are aliens. <laughs> yeah. If aliens appeared, yeah. who we have no possible chance to fight and could not win against, and they asked us to compute R5, we should put all of our resources towards it. And if they ask us to compute R6, we should try to fight them instead. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually pretty funny. Yeah. That's actually pretty funny. Oh my, that's a that's a that's a fascinating, fascinating fact. That was just a read. quick tangent. Yeah, these combinatorics. I have some. Well, there are a lot of things that we can talk about right now. I feel like maybe well, the top things are the are the the Galois theory. Literally, your research. I don't know. Maybe, or I was also reading how there's a lot of like application in like Rubik's cube problems. And I think either we were talking before the podcast or on the podcast that. Parker loves to solve Ruby's cubes. I occasionally watch them. So, and if group theory, or I just I'm I'm curious on you know any implications that group theory might have on Rubik's cubes. For example, did it make some algorithms? Sure. So we can talk about either or both. So Maybe the Rubik's want, cube first. Sure, you can whatever. think about like playing a Rubik's cube is there is a group of operations of moves that you can make. And each move does something, and you can undo it, and you can compose moves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this makes a group. Right. It's, it's all and then the solving a Rubik's Cube means if someone gave you an element of the group, how do you undo it? And then mm. some things you might want to know are like, what's the minimal, what's the smallest number of moves you need to undo it? Exactly. Right. And we can solve these things by putting them into the structure of groups and words in groups. Mm. and finding a minimal word. Mm. But how is that really done? Like, I I mean, again, if you have any knowledge on the Rubik's Cube applications, sure. I'm just very curious. And like, So one way you could do how it you turns it into matrices oh. is like to a... say, let's take this group. It's a finite group. We mm-hmm. can represent it in terms of matrices. Uh, so then like a quarter turn, will give you some matrix so that when you take its fourth power, you get the identity matrix. Mm. And you can have three different quarter turns and together those ones plus all the different multiples that you can get, that should generate the whole group. 
So what is the um, what is the size of this matrix? Because you need to be able to describe uh, six different colors. And uh, sure, but those can just be the numbers in the. Right, but because um, I'm thinking you could change the position and the orientation of a given piece. Yeah, so how would let's you talk about, okay, what moves can you make on this cube? You can rotate the cube. You can Wait, flip a side. Before you say rotate the cube, like you can rotate one face of a cube, right? Right, but you can also rotate the whole thing. Isn't that the same as, what do you mean? Like you can take the cube and turn it. Turn it. Okay, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. true. Isn't that the same as if I... Oh, yeah, you can... Actually, isn't that one the same if I don't do anything? Like if someone just like throws sure, it, the cube to it me? It doesn't change the cube. It doesn't change the cube. Okay. But it's a move that you can make if you wanted to. Yeah, we wouldn't put that in the group. Okay. Because it doesn't change the cube. Okay. So you can rotate a face. You can rotate a face. You can rotate. And rotating four times <laughs> gets you back to where you started. Yeah. Okay. So that's I'm pretty say much it. I have, yeah, yeah but for each it. face, right? But that's, that's the whole confusing part. For each face, you gotta... So I can have like six letters, and I can say, okay, I have A, B, C, D, E, F, and A to the four is the identity, and B to the four is the identity, and C to the four is the identity. And then I need to understand... Like, is each letter a matrix? Each letter is a turn. Each letter is turning one of the faces. But is that represented through like a matrix? Like if you were to Not apply, yet, if you were to apply be. the vector to that matrix, it would rotate one of the faces, and then if you apply it four times, it gives you back to yes. Where, okay. Yes. Okay. So we would find matrices that have those properties. Okay. That each one raised to the power of four is the identity, and then we also have to know what happens if you do combinations of them. Like if I mm. rotate the front face and then the top face. Is that the same as the top one and then the front one? And I think you can definitely it's not. You can say no right away. <laughs> no. <laughs> I have to maybe think about it, but it seems like if they interact at all and I do two of them, then it, it's not going to work out. Mm -hmm. So what is that in terms of rotating other faces? Or like how, what relations are there between A, B, C, D, E, and F? And we can sort of algebraically work those out and probably like sit down with the cube and make the turns and keep track of what happens. And then we build up this little table and then we can map it to matrices because then we'll know how many did we actually need. Like I bet we don't need all six of them. You can probably not bother ever turning the bottom face, just turn the other ones around. Right, yeah, you could. So there's one of those elements that we didn't actually need. Interesting. So I can turn the number of generators down smaller, and that makes that lets us pick smaller matrices. Mm. What's the actual size of this group? I'm not sure. I bet somebody knows. Yeah. It's probably called Definitely. the Rubik's Cube group. Definitely, yeah. Hmm. Um, That's some fascinating stuff, because I always wondered how... Um, yeah, well, I guess, I mean, I always wondered if there was, like, an algorithm that would just solve for a minimal time or just, like, physically... 
the mathematically, sorry, the least, not not time, but like move wise, I guess, you know, the minimal moves to uh-huh. do. So how would you really apply set so operation? I'm going to tell group? you again, this is another big open problem okay, in groups. Okay, okay. Is that <laughs> we would call it a word. If you take some generators and you know some relations between them that like A times B is something like C times F or whatever. Um, if you just get a string that is the word of a bunch of letters telling you what group operations to do, and you want to know what's the smallest thing that will undo this, that's another hard problem, and we don't oh know my. how to solve it. <laughs> and another one, we're right. going, ah, there's probably not an algorithm, but we can answer it in certain cases. This is called the word problem. Oh, okay, it's a famous one. It's a very mm. famous one. We mm. can't even tell if a word is the identity. And I mean, if we could, we could solve any of the other word problems. But what about, like, if you knew all of the operations, then you could just do it and see if it is the identity, or is that not possible? All right, maybe I'm not understanding what, what you mean by... Yeah, what do we... what? When we have the generators and relations, do we really know what the thing is? It's sort of like if I have the description of the Rubik's Cube and I give you this table, but I don't let you have the cube anymore, can you tell what the moves do? Oh. And here we have like a group that like didn't even come from a Rubik's Cube in the first place. Right. Like we don't know what it's the symmetries of. Right. We just so you, know it follows the rules, so it must be the symmetries of something. But we don't have the object to apply it to. And the, the, the goal is to figure out what that is? Sometimes. I mean, oh, okay. the goals are... But, so goals in the, math are like, figure out what we don't know. <laughs> yeah. And as soon as we figure it out, we go, cool, let's go find okay. another one. <laughs> it's a lot. Group theory gives us a lot of stuff that we don't know. Mm. Which makes it fun, but also makes it go... Oh man, how do we not know that yet? <laughs> yeah, I guess some things are like, wow, it should be obvious, but we don't know it. Or there, are, I think, like just some parts are. I mean, I'm still, my head's still stuck on the two to the ten. I still don't understand how we don't have an answer for that. But I mean, anyway. No, we or, got two to the ten. I mean, again, we don't answer, have two to the eleven. Sorry, I mean, like answering like formula. I think or something, something came out a few years ago. Maybe we have two to the eleven, and it's something. Again, you're not being cited here. It's okay. Not 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 to worry. Yeah, look not, these up. Yeah, for sure. I think everybody knows that. Um, yeah, that's that. I mean, that was most of our curiosities. Well, Do you have anything? Of course. Oh, of course. Something that is up your alley, which is Galois. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> what we didn't talk oh, about. I'm yet. very happy to do this. <laughs> so, quick introduction before. Um, we were doing some research on this uh, said topic because obviously we, we don't really know too much about group theory. And Galois, Galois method kept coming up in almost every one of our search terms in terms of group theory. So I asked, can you talk about it? And turns out you did your research in Galois theory. So sure. it's, just, it's just perfect that, yeah, what is Galois theory? What's Galois theory? So Galois was trying to work on this problem of finding roots of polynomials. Mm. And that if you have like a quadratic, there's a nice formula for it. He lived at a time when they had formulas for cubic and quartic. That's Cardano. That's Cardano. So he was aware of these things. Um, and he's building off of work of Niels Abel, who we named abelian groups after. Right. And the abelian groups are the ones that their operation commutes. 
Um, so he was also trying to figure out what's going on with polynomials and that there's certain symmetries that the roots have. If you think about them living in a complex space, mm. that there's ways that you can move them around that don't change the coefficients of the polynomial. If you don't change the coefficients, isn't it the same? It's the same polynomial. Yeah. But we've moved the roots. Wait, what? But how do you move the roots? From the perspective of the roots, they got swapped around. Oh, okay. So they they don't, they get swapped around, but it's still the same function. It's still the same function. Okay. But that tells us a certain symmetry that this function has. Wait. Or that really like the roots have. How is that a symmetry, though? Uh, because it's something that we can do to it, and it looks the same. Yeah. We did I mean, something far-fetched. Yeah, I know. I that's the definition, I, know, I guess, right? but it's just like... Mm. You transform it, but it looks the same, so symmetric. Mm -hmm. Like you just swap... Mm, I guess, yeah, from the perspective of the roots, as you were saying. So one way you can think about this with nicer roots is like... Wait, in a quadratic case, if you look mm. at the x squared plus 1 equals 0... You know that that has these two roots that are i and minus i. So if I swapped each root with its negative, mm. I sort of flipped the whole picture over. Mm. But the polynomial can't tell. It's still just x squared plus 1. So you are taking... So the roots of the polynomials are the elements of the group, and you're trying to find not the... Not exactly. Oh, they're not. Okay. So the roots... Are, I guess they're sort of like the corners of a shape. And we want to find out what are the ways we can move this shape around. Oh, oh. So the roots so themselves. So they stay where they were. Right. The roots themselves must have already some kind of like geometric yeah. symmetry between them. We think of them, them. living in uh, like, I mean, you can think of them as living in a complex space. But then we think of them as living in like a higher dimensional complex space when they don't really have nice connections. Mm. Uh, but one of them is like, okay, I would currently work on, or like recent work, is in um, trying to figure out things about these D4 quartic fields. That is where I take a degree four, a quartic polynomial, and the roots have a D4 or a dihedral symmetry. That is, I can, there's a rotation I can do with the roots to cycle them around each other, and there's a flip that I can do. And that those sort of twist each other in some way. Mm -hmm. um, so those elements of the group, we would say act on the roots of the polynomial in a way that fixes the polynomial, but permutes the roots. Interesting. So then we classify yeah. different polynomials based on their Galois group, um, the types uh, of symmetries that the roots have, and then certain problems that we want to think about in terms of like, well, what if I had this root and I put it with rational numbers and I get a field? What's the multiplication like in that field? What's the basis for that field? How do we write down elements there? Those depend crucially on the symmetries of the original, on the Galois group. So you're given a set of roots. Is the question then, what group is there in which every element of the group preserves 
the polynomial but swaps yes, the roots. That's exactly so every single element of the group has to. Uh, so the identity of the group doesn't swap anything, right. but everything else has to change something. Yes. Okay. When you say swap, do you mean like uh, maybe I'm misunderstanding? Are you like saying positive goes to negative, negative goes to positive? Or are you saying that's an example? Because, like, I was just thinking of because when you put that in my head, I was thinking of oh, like they're equidistant from the origin or something like that. But if mm -hmm. we let's say have a cortic where it but just this one so. The, and it just the rationals, all the things there are going to stay exactly where they were. All the coefficients of the polynomial mm. stay exactly where they are. Mm. Right. But my question is simply like if you shift it. Shift what? Like if you shift the graph, right, then the roots, I'm just, I'm just like, they're, let's say they're all positive roots, mm -hmm. for example. So when you say swap the roots, do you mean like the first root and the second, like, I still what does that like even really mean? Yeah, yeah, what does yeah. that really mean yeah. when you like, say that? Like, let's You're just say, swapping them literally. When I do it notationally, I write a little sigma one, sigma two, or zeta one, zeta two, and I literally just switch them. Mm. <laughs> but it's the same thing. Though. Yeah, exactly. But let's say you have a, a quartic, and the roots are one plus i, i minus one, minus i minus one, and one minus i, like the four yeah. corners and that's like six then in that case you know you type. can you can just multiply them by one minus one i minus i the roots will stay the same you know they'll just all swap does that make sense i mean i'm just thinking yeah that that, that specific example would make sense i'm just thinking of Sorry, so my part of what makes this hard else, to think but. about is that like the things that we're familiar with, like degree two polynomial, there's only one group of order two. So we know exactly what it's going to be. Because it's, it's prime. <laughs> and then for three, well, there's two different possible groups it could be. One of them has six elements in it. So there's sort of, you have this degree three polynomial, but you can't even see all of the symmetries yet. They live in some higher realm. Wouldn't there also be one yeah, I was group just for... Say there is one. There would be a cyclic, yes. It's just one. So there's certain polynomials. If all of their roots are real and they behave in some nice way, then you can rotate what the, co what the roots are cyclically and get the same polynomials out. So what are like some common examples of... Because you were mentioning how they're called gal... So... Yes, these are Galois groups of Galois groups. So, like, could you give some example? Like, I mean, I guess you mentioned cyclic, but maybe if you put some more examples in my head, I'll maybe you ah, understand. So, a the ones bit, that like, we think about a lot are the cyclic are... groups. The symmetric group is like the biggest it can possibly be. The symmetric group I... means take all the possible permutations. Um, the alternating group, this one is right. taking like half of the possible permutations. Right. And the way that you might think about it is sort of like. If you take the real numbers and you remove zero, it kind of has two parts. It has a, a positive part and a negative part. And the alternating group says, just keep the positive part. Ignore that other right. second half right. mirror world. Don't worry about that. Mm -hmm. There's sort of another copy of itself mm. that doesn't have the identity one in it. It has like a minus one where everything is backwards. So you're saying um, those could so be the alternating group is a big roots. one. The dihedral mm. groups are the ones that I would work Yeah, right. In. You just mentioned that as well. But so there are, are other ones. Of, as you, the so thing is, when you get bigger sizes, you get more possibilities of groups. And Galois groups can't be anything. They have to have certain nice properties. 
Oh, mm. so they're not just in general. It's not any group can be Galawar group. Right. Mm. Which is which makes sense because there's a huge restriction on what the fact the that Galawar has to be the same polynomial do, right? and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. Yes. Of course. Yeah. Uh, but I'm assuming that also makes the... Co- 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 I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it doesn't it make the computation easier? Yes. Right, because you have so many restrictions. It's, I can tell with a little computation what the Galois group of a polynomial is as long as it's at most five. <laughs> oh, that's actually a... Interesting. That's I a mean, skill. Put on your not, resume. Yeah. I can tell Galois groups. There's a few <laughs> tricks. I know some tricks and I can take some discriminants. That's and interesting. I can check certain traces. So, so what does it look like to do research in this? Is it a lot of coding? Is it a lot of There is a lot of coding. Writing down things? It and, is a lot of writing okay. down things and drawing pictures and okay. trying to like, talk to other people and go like, I don't know what's happening here. Is this something? I did all these calculations. Is this meaningful? Does this tell us something else? Mm. Um, and then a lot of reading. Like a lot mm. of it is, what did people figure out already? What's current? What did someone like just recently write about? So right now I'm reading through this paper by um, Ila Varma and Errol Shankar at U of T and a few other oh, people. She was uh, last year. For 224, she was a, a, yes. a lecturer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Dr. Varma and yeah. also Dr. H, they are all big in this. They do more stuff in Galois theory and these um, things about counting, like what happens in these spaces, trying to figure out mm. how big are they? What's the volume? How come the volume doesn't really match up with the number of points we would get? Shouldn't it? Weird. Mm. So I have shapes. Shapes. Shape stuff. Yeah, when I asked Google uh, to define a group, it said, which Chat GPT. Yeah, well, all right. Well, specifically, <laughs> uh, imagine you have a, a collection of geometric shapes. Like, that's literally how it was defined, just a, just a healthy understanding of it. So, I mean, that's how I think a lot of the explanations are also going, you know, think about analogous to a square and then do the same mm-hmm. thing. But obviously, you're not doing it on that. Maybe... No, we're I doing can, it on oh, that. Oh, mm, I think okay. of it like I put like this a literal square, square on the. Where do these points? When I do some computational thing, I can plot the points in space. Mm. And if they don't make square shape, I know it's not dihedral. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> they have to do certain things. I know. Yeah. I know that a certain a flip will be complex conjugation. Could we maybe discuss maybe? about some applications like oh, real boy. life applications I think literally everything <laughs> and it's I know certainly yeah, they, I'm really curious theory though. is so fundamental to anything that we're doing in terms of like if you use matrices and you want to multiply them this is relating with groups and we are using things that we know about groups in order to be able to write down every matrix concisely mm. and represent it in a certain way and tell when two things are the same or different. Mm-hmm. So do properties about groups tell us things about matrices as well? Like, for example, if you have like properties of symmetric matrices, let's say you, you define a symmetric matrix and no one else knows about this. Is there something you, you can go read about group theory and say, oh, these should have this property because groups. Yes, for sure. <laughs> okay. A lot of stuff, hit it with the hammer, right? Group mm-hmm. theory is a big hammer and has a lot of theorems. Mm. 
So a lot of things trickle down from group theory that most people, <laughs> right, most people won't really trace back to group theory, but sure. that's where, it, or I guess maybe it could come from <laughs> one step higher, but for now we'll just call it group theory. Yeah, I feel like it just represents, because I feel like you're, the, the actual use cases of it, you're just mentioning how we anyways do things with it, but they're just representing what we already know. Like we anyways are rotating the square, but this just tells us that, hey, when we do it, it's symmetric. Like, I don't know, does that question, or does that statement make sense? Like hmm. to a certain level, it's not really doing anything actively, right? Like group theory is not really doing anything. It's simply stating what's already there. It's just in a higher sense. I suppose. I mean, really it is describing a structure, but a lot of times it reveals the structure mm. we didn't know mm. was there. Right. I guess in some situations, as we were talking about the triangle and whatnot, like there are some situations where it can actually reveal things. Hmm. Have you want? It also does make like little inroads into other places and say things like representation theory is trying to figure out what's going on inside of a group by using matrices and vector spaces. And then it happens to tell us a lot about fundamental physics particles. We, go, we didn't know why, but it seems to be related to this big group. Better investigate that group some more. <laughs> what's going on yeah. in there? Hmm. Uh, well, a lot of a lot of group theory has been understood today, I think. At least, I mean, compared to what we knew, which was yeah. nothing. <laughs> I, think, I think at least the basics, because I think when a lot of people hear things like group theory or things like graph theory, I don't know, I just put two theories together there. But or, or any any real, even though it doesn't sound very complicated, they immediately associate it with, oh, you know, it's it's this much higher level of understanding that is required for we don't it. tell you about it in high school it's secret math it's it's like it's like <laughs> algebra but more useful is basically as we start well, defining describing useful. it okay yeah that's that's a good that's a good point i mean we that's need them point. both right <laughs> that's a good point right right no that's, that's a good group point. theory puts a lot of ties between geometry and algebra mm -hmm. which is great then like we can describe groups geometrically we can describe them algebraically that's actually a wonderful way to put it because Geometry and algebra is group theory. That's, a, a, that's a common a, language a for them both. Oh, phenomenal. That's actually a really nice uh, way to wrap that because I feel like a lot of people would still have, you know, some surface level misunderstandings of, because I don't know, when I heard personally, when I first heard the word group theory, knowing nothing about it, I just thought that, okay, it's going to be something that I have no idea. Because when I, because when, when you think of groups in math, or again, not, not that I knew anything, but sets of elements, and then you're operating on those sets of elements. Like, again, it's all so abstract. I mean, to a point similar to algebra, it's all so abstract. Oh, find X in this triangle. Like, what am I doing that for? You know, like, it's all so abstract that you really start to question well what like am i even learning this for some practical purpose but then it's good to know that at the end of the we're day we're getting like the really refined version yes after exactly. 150 years and a lot of iterations yeah. yeah and i would say yeah go like play with some shapes and stuff and yeah like multiply some matrices and see. yeah what if i take a two by two matrix and i put ones on the diagonal and i put 
a zero below the diagonal, and I put some other number in the top right, and I multiply matrices like that together. Mm -hmm. What does that do? Can I predict what's going to happen? Right. And that's going to be a group. All those things are invertible. What's the inverse of something? And do this mm -hmm. with three by three matrices. And do this with other objects around. Yeah, I guess like the connection to objects is what sometimes might fascinate people, but also confuse people. Because when you say, you know, rotate a square, you're like, oh, okay. Or I mean, I guess in, in, in certain cases, but when you actually apply math, or I guess rotations is pretty understandable. But I'm saying any other type of group to certain objects, it can be a little more, I don't know, is it a little more confusing than when you operate it with numbers? Well, I mean, right? if it helps, like, we are very confused about it. Also. <laughs> like, yeah. It's good to know that you we guys are We don't know confused. what the groups are. Right, right, right. It's also good. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We stick to the real shape stuff, mm. right? I'm going to look at dihedral groups because I know what that is. <laughs> right. And only up to four because we don't know. We don't know what's going on in these other, anything higher. Mm. Right. Well, any more curiosities from you? Yeah, I think this is a good place to end it. Yeah, I really. think, I think a lot I, was discussed. Yeah, a lot so. was discussed. A lot was understood. Well. I think that, that Matrix game was fun just learning that, hey, they're the same Go thing. and play this Sudoku, yeah, build a right. group. Oh, right. I mean, anybody can do this at home, by the way. Try right? to get the some for thing. six. Try to get some for eight. Eight is a really hard one. I almost made it a problem in a course, and if I, I did it myself. <laughs> went, too hard. Too hard. <laughs> okay. So maybe not eight, but, you know, just mess Why around try with it all the Why not? I mean, they always yeah. can. So, yeah. yeah. Thanks for coming on the podcast again. Oh, always lovely always to have great. you. Always lovely to have you. Always love it because, as I said at the beginning, brains are always picked. So always learn something fascinating. So, yeah. Thank you. Hopefully we have you on again for... Maybe name your topic. Mathematical. <laughs> I'm sure we can. I'm sure we can. If it's some beyond high school. Oh, right. At university level math, yeah. I got some things to say. Okay. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> as you know, you have our contact information. We're always very excited to have you on whenever you want. I think and the the next math episode should probably be topology. We haven't spoken mm, about hey, topology. That's yet, something so. I know nothing of. There you go. So why not? <laughs> okay. <laughs> More seats. <laughs> we got a cup already. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a donut is a cup, right? So You know a lot about technology. Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. So, so that would be a very interesting episode. So, yeah, actually, that's a good idea. Yeah, Maybe we can go. do that soon enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, once again, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Thank you to everybody who's listening. Uh, make sure to rate us five stars on Spotify. Why not? Why not? Why not? On and YouTube, uh, too, you know, hit that like button, comment down, or, or Apple, or wherever you really listen to it. Why not? Have you got a it. comment of the week? No, no we, we actually, actually don't. don't have a comment of the week this week. Is comment of the week is, there's no comment of the week this <laughs> week. Yeah, a little unfortunate. Already explained before, but uh, yeah, it should be good. So yeah, I think, I think that calls yeah. it. Thank you so much, everybody. This has been episode number 110 of the Math and Physics podcast. I'm your host, Parker. And I'm Ray. And we'll see you soon. Bye, guys.